Hi, everybody. Welcome to Busy Living So Busy Living So Busy Living So Very excited with episode 197 with Marcus Marchand. Wee 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 wee. How are you today? I'm good. Things are good. Just working. I'm carved out time. We're gonna chat, have some fun. Exactly. What have you been working on your bike? It's behind you. I love your bike. Oh, my bike. Yeah, I just got that one. My my other one, like all the almost half half of my bike got stolen while I was grocery shopping last week. <laughs> so I was just having bad luck. Yeah, I was at Trader Joe's and I was gone for 14 minutes, and my tires and my uh, my my handlebars were gone in like less than 15 minutes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> How did you feel after that? <laughs> I. It's just things. It's I didn't. It didn't bother me. I've had my stuff stolen so many times in San Francisco, so it's just stuff. I don't care. I mean, I, not that I don't care, but I can get a new bike. So that's true. But like, if you think about like something like that, that's pretty dramatic for people sometimes, right? Like, that's my biggest investment is my bike, right? Like that yeah. gets me everywhere. That's my motivation. Yeah. It's like my like eighteen years ago when you were coming in, and as you like to call it, when you were like you were dry. And uh, and something like that would happen. You get a little pissed off, I would imagine. I'd freak out. I I would collapse because back then I was broke. <laughs> like what would I do, you know? So, but now it's just yeah, it's things. I don't take it personally. That's kind of nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's totally nice. I was thinking about that when it got stolen. I walked out, and I was like, I'll just get a new bike. And I realized like a year ago, I would have been so so bummed. So. It's you, interesting how time changes, right? Like when, yeah. we, right? And how we grow. Yeah, we grow up. We grow up. It's not fun to grow up. I don't know. No. It's not fun. It's overrated <laughs> to be completely. It's so overrated. <sighs> yeah. Like everybody said, you're supposed to be grown up and you're like, wait a minute, that sounds so boring. And then to think to be alcoholic and have to be sober and that's even more boring, right? So yeah, was, yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, and it's not it's not really that boring anymore, to be honest, is it? Yeah, once you, I think once you learn to, how to live again, it's, I mean, in the beginning, it's just things are kind of lame, you know, or that's an understatement for me. But it took me, yeah, once you learn how to live, it's, you have more freedom, you can do stuff. So you will know? you tell us what it was like, what happened, what it's like today? Sure. Um, I mean, what it was like, I, uh, I'll just tell a bit of my story. You want me to sp speak for like 20 minutes? Sure, whatever. Yeah, we're just okay. that happen organically. Let's see what comes okay, out. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, yeah, so uh, my name's Marcus Marchand, and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and uh, what it was like, I, I mean, I was born in 1979, January 2nd. And uh, I was a kid of the 80s and 90s. And I... For me, I was raised for the first five years by a single mom and my grandmother. So it was my grandmother and myself and my mother. And that was my world. So it, it was a good time as a little kid because everything I wanted, I got, you know? And I was, I was the first grandson. I was the first of everything. So I was kind of like, all the light was on me and I naturally, I took to that naturally. I loved the attention. And I think, I think, uh, I think attention was my, my first drug of choice, getting attention approval. I loved it. And uh, I was good at it. And um, I just spent the first five years of my life entertaining my grandmother and my mother just being just being funny. 
and it was a good time. And then my, uh, my mom got remarried and it was my stepdad and that poor guy, because I immediately, we did not get along ever. And, uh, and I was around, you know, barbecues as a kid, drinking hams and, and uh, uh, like, what do you call those? Like kiwi strawberry, um, like those, I don't know, those boons or whatever it was. Uh, the Capri Sun. Wine coolers, oh, wine, wine coolers. Cooler. Okay. I grew up around strawberry, <laughs> kiwi wine coolers and hams beer. And uh, I just remember going from family member to family member taking sips as much as I could. For some reason, I thought that was fun. And, uh, and I just, I took to that, but I never sought out to get drunk. I wasn't an unhappy kid. I wasn't, I was not abused. I was not physically abused. Um, there's none of that darkness there as a kid. Um, so I'm very fortunate because I mean, we've all heard horrible stories and, uh, and I hear those stories. I'm like, yeah, I would have drunk too. I would have, I would have drank a lot too. Me, I just did. I was just a kid and I was just finding ways to have fun. fun. And, uh, and my mom got remarried when I was five. And the first time I ever heard the word no was from my stepdad. I didn't even know what I didn't, I've never heard, really heard the word no. And I would just, I was just kind of like taken aback by it. And I was like, and from then on, my stepdad and I were enemies. It was just my stepdad and I back and forth until I left home. I left home at 15 on my own. And uh, so I was in the ninth grade when I left. Like it was just after spring break when I ran away from home. And, uh, and my parents would move to Eastern Oregon to buy this big ranch. And they went their way and I went my way. And it was me and my grandma again when I wasn't off out in Portland, Oregon, where I'm from, just being a, a hooligan, you know? And, uh, and I got really heavy into drinking and drugs right away. Like I moved out of my parents' house the Sunday, the Sunday um, that uh, spring break ended for students, for my class, for my school. And from that moment on, I moved in with my grandparents, with my grandmother, and I just went out with new friends and just drank and I partied. And my grandmother was, you know, like 60 years old or something. She was older. She didn't want to be a full-time parent. So she just kind of let me go in a sense. She tried to establish rules, but I didn't follow any. And, uh, and I was never into, you know, stealing or I was never violent. I just wanted to have a good time. I wanted to escape. Like I went from, my drug of choice being approval and uh, attention seeking to just wanting to escape and drugs and alcohol for a handful of years worked for me. I, I drank a lot. My, my drink of choice was like just vodka, anything. And uh, I would smoke cigarettes and I would smoke pot. And I would uh, hop, I would hitchhike and hop on buses and go across wherever and rainbow drum jams and like, all those raves in the 90s, I did all that stuff and I would be gone for a couple of weeks and I'd come home, my grandmother was like, where were you? <laughs> and I'm like 16 years old, just traveling or just being a lunatic. And, uh, and I had a good time because I'm an alcoholic and I don't care that my grandmother's worried about me. I don't care if my mother thinks about me. I was just high, blotto for years. And, uh, and I would quit in 2002, so from, I mean, in 2001, sorry. So some, from the age of that, uh, 20, or sorry, from the age of 15 to 22, I was using every day, basically, um, unless I was sleeping. Um, so I had a good time until it wasn't fun anymore. And I was lucky, I just kind of quit. So I just quit. I quit the day after Thanksgiving of you 2001. Said, wait, a minute, wait a minute. So I have to, so you, Jeff, like your poor grandmother, because I'm a mom, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. a mom. 
So like the thought of, I'm like hearing you and you're like, I just went away for two weeks, went raving and there's no cell phones back yeah. then, right? So nobody knows where None. you are, if you're alive or dead. No. And you're like, yeah. oh, and I just think of your poor grandmother. Okay, I gotta say that about your poor grandmother yeah. still living and your poor mother. I'm like, oh my God, God bless them because that must've been hell on earth for them. And then yeah. you just quit. Yeah, I quit. I, I, uh, <laughs> I was I living in Portland. That. That's like so, people normally are like, wait a minute, I got arrested. I have this happen. Yeah, I, just, I was so never arrested. I was never arrested. Um, I should have been, I mean, I broke into buildings. I squatted in buildings in Portland in the 90s. I would just live in buildings for a week at a time. Like I had, a, a, for about three months, I was on and off again, just living on the streets. Uh, the summer of 90. The summer of 96, I think it was, I was just kind of quasi homeless. And then I would come home once a month. And my grandmother, my grandmother would just look at me and just like, she just was speechless, you know? I so yeah. I, I feel bad. I mean, I've made it a living amends. I, her and I are good on good terms. She's, she's my best friend. My grandmother is everything to me. And, uh, and she's forgiven me, she says. <laughs> I think she has. But, uh, but yeah, I quit. I went to a, party thanksgiving night i think it was and i got so drunk i got lost I, li I lived four blocks from the from the party i was at i lived in a condo with a friend in, in uh, northwest portland um and i couldn't find my apartment my condo i was lost and i i couldn't find it and i left at 5 30 in the morning and i finally found my place at like eight in the morning and i just i tried to take a shower and i I took it, I went to take a shower and I woke up on the, on the bathroom floor with the shower running. And I was just like, my root, my ribs were bruised. So I fell out of the bathtub and, and I passed out, I guess. And, um, and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And so I went on my little kind of front deck in my condo and I was, I was like, I'm going to quit drinking. And then the next thing I knew I had a mimosa and a cigarette in my hand. And I was like, okay, I don't even remember doing this. And I didn't take a drink. But I was like, I have a mimosa and a cigarette lit, and I don't remember doing it. And I was just like, I'm out of bounds. I need to quit. And so I, I just quit. And uh, I called my grandmother, and I'm like, I got to move back home. I quit drinking. And she's like, oh, you're so funny. She didn't believe me. I'm like, no, I quit drinking. I'm not, I, I need to come home. I can't live in the city, or else I'll start drinking tonight. And so I moved back home immediately, and just my grandmother was my nurse. Like, she just... She made me, she made me eggs and bacon for every meal and orange juice. Like she took care of me and folded my clothes and made my bed. And I was just, and I went through withdrawals. I went through all of it right in front of her in the house. It was just, and she was just not bothered by it at all. You know? No, so, she was like, it was like her baby came home and she's like, I got yeah. And it, well, I mean, she'd been through worse with her two sons and, family stuff she's been through worse she's seen worse so she was like the only person that could probably help me at the time because i didn't know about going to aa yet i didn't know about rehab i thought rehab was just for rich people and i had no money so i was like i'm gonna have to kick this in a like in a bathroom at my house <laughs> but so you think about that that is so like divine intervention right because yeah people are like they wake up and they say oh I want to get sober I need to change my life and they have a most and they're like screw it I'm off to the races again yeah but like, I had a that's amazing I had a it was a spiritual experience because it was almost as if I couldn't put the drink to my mouth there was a wall in between me and I couldn't do it anymore 
I physically wasn't capable and I haven't been, I've had a couple of times in my life where I really wanted to drink, but I was just like, not that bad. And I just don't drink, you know? So, but yeah, it's, I was really lucky because I mean, we all hear and see people, most, a lot of people relapse many, many times. And it, and I watched and I listened and I'm like, wow, I never went through any of that. I went through a whole different thing. The physical, the physical thing was gone for me immediately. But the mental side of addiction, that was a whole other story. That's most of my stories about mental illness, but the mental illness attached to addiction. Right. Right. With those, with so those that's, voices in our head that constantly say, I'm no good. I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. You knew me. Yeah. 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 And I'm lucky I never heard literal voices, but it were feelings right. that were like right. voices. Exactly. Yeah. And that was from that point on, I mean, I was unemployable for many years. I mean, I would have jobs here and there and eat by, but I was, I was, I was in poverty for like four years and I had to get rid of all my friends. I didn't have any of my old, that's another thing I've noticed when I hear people talk, they always talk about trying to hang out with their friends. And I'm like, all your friends are drug addicts. Like, yeah. Maybe not, but a lot of them, like all my friends were partiers and I couldn't hang out with my friends. No. So I just instinctively got rid of everybody. It was just me and my grandma for a couple of years. <laughs> you did, so you ended up staying with your grandmother until you got, until it was at what point? I mean, cause you said you were in poverty, but your grandmother was still feeding you and taking yeah. care of you. And you could work it like, like, and your jobs like were menial, right? Like, yeah, I would get job. like, yeah, I would get jobs, mostly cafes and restaurants. I'd be a busser for four months and I would just stop showing up. Um, my first job that I was able to keep in sobriety was, a, was working at a tile factory in Portland, making minimum wage. I was making like eight bucks an hour. And I did that for two years till I went back to college and I slowly was, you know what I mean? I slowly built things up. But, um, but even then in 2006, I had a mental breakdown. I just, I had, a, I lost my, my, lost my mind for a little bit on October of like 2006, I, I had a mental breakdown. It was bad. And I had to, I was living on my own, doing pretty well with college and work. And then I just kind of snapped and I had to move back home again. And my grandmother watched me go through mental illness. I was just depressed and anxiety ridden. And I started going through all the medication trials with doctors. So she was there for the medication and the, and the psychiatrist and the psychologist. And I was diagnosed with bipolar two disorder. And uh, another year would go by with trying medications until I got the right one. So she saw me go through the side effects of medications. She, that, yeah. <laughs> so I mean- it, By the way, she's a saint. She's a saint. She's a saint. My yeah. grandmother's a saint. It's like, she's, yeah, she's amazing. I wouldn't be here without her. I always tell her that. And she's just like, oh, no, you did it all yourself. And I'm like, you have no idea, girl. You have no idea. Like, there was a time where I couldn't I couldn't make my bed for, like, half a decade. So it was just... Now, <laughs> it was during bad. this mental break, is that... did How did you... Did you did you ever use the 12 steps? Did you ever do the meetings or any of that stuff? Well, eventually, yeah. Are you talking AA or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, eventually. My first AA meeting started in two. May of 09. So you I started had, going in, Yeah, so you had like eight years at that point. Yeah, yeah. It was bad. It was I was a dry drunk. I was a lunatic. I was never violent. I never cursed at people. It was all internal. I was just so miserable. I was suicidal for like four years. It was bad. Oh my god. And uh, yeah, it was really, really bad. I went to my first AA meeting. Once I got my my uh my bipolar two disorder, like kind of 
in balance. I got the right medication. I was going to um, depression bipolar support um, group like uh, meetings, kind of like AA meetings. Right. And then somebody told me about AA, uh, which I've heard of from my father, my dad's side of the family. Everybody's in AA or ACA. Everybody's in something. And with like 30 years of sobriety, everybody. And uh, I, somebody told me about AA, which I've heard of. I first started going to Al-Anon. I did that for a year. And then I started going to AA. And it was a noon meeting in, in Portland. And uh, that was, I went there. And after that first meeting, I, it was the first time in four years that I didn't want to kill myself. After that one meeting, I was like, okay, I'm still really miserable, but I don't want to die. So I just kept going to meetings. Wow. So that's how it started. Wow. Yeah. I mean, definitely <laughs> divine intervention, the whole entire, like the fact that you had all this stuff going yeah. on inside and you know, and you're still here to talk. It's just amazing. What a gift. What it's a gift. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And going crazy. through that whole, like figuring out, cause I know that when you're, when you do get a diagnosis of mental illness and you do get prescribed these medications, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, the first one didn't work. Forget it. I'm done. I'm never doing this again. And I like the, I like this mania yeah. feeling or whatever. And to give the opportunity yeah. <laughs> to manage it and figure out which one worked best for you is kudos to you. Yeah. Yeah. It took like a year and a half. <laughs> It but took a year and a half. It was, it was horrible. It's horrible, but we're but, not like, but that proved like, I'm, I always like to say like, we're not robots, you know, we're not computers. No. no. So like not, not the right formula that might work for me will work for you, but we got to respect that. Right. Like whatever works for you works yeah. for you. And however long that journey takes. And as you yeah. were mentioning, like the relapses, some people have to take like, have whatever many relapses. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm like you, a one chip, what we call it a one chip wonder, you know, whatever the hell that yeah. means. You know, I just came in once because I'm too scared to try it again, just to be completely frank. Um, but to think that it's yeah. like you took the time, that's amazing. That is amazing. So then you start going to, you start going to AA, life gets better. You obviously leave Portland yeah. because now you're in San Francisco. Yeah, I'm in San Francisco. I, I, I started traveling in 2000. 15 I think to that late summer of 2015 I just started moving around I wanted to explore because for years I couldn't travel I couldn't get on planes I couldn't do anything you know so now I can do it and I can so I went to Key West and I worked in Key West and hotels because I was in hotels for years and uh and then I made it to San Francisco and I've been here and this has been home you know it's been a good time it's been crazy and now with COVID and everything but um I'm making everything work with, I'm glad I have all this training, all the AA and Al-Anon and CODA and I, I work ACA. I have all this training. It's, I'm like, I can adapt to things now, you know? So it's, amazing. I'm, yeah, it is. Are you doing totally a lot amazing. of Zoom? <laughs> I mean, I'm doing phone meetings, mostly phone meetings. I'll do Zoom like once every couple of weeks. I just, I have I have uh, two home group meetings, one in AA, one in ACA, and ACA started a, a, not even two months ago, and I'm my life is skyrocketing in such a great way, it's amazing. I just started it too. Yeah, and a lot of people have, a lot of like I know a lot of people like I know like forty people that are just starting the last two months. It's crazy. I love it. I love yeah. it. It's kind of hard to find. I, I'm trying. I think I found my place in this one meeting, and then I'm like, no, I just have to find the right one. I know that. You yeah. know? Yeah. 
there's lots yeah, of options, there's lots of choices if you go out there and I just have to find the right one that I feel comfortable in. So you're do, you do all this stuff. You have all these tools. You have this life beyond your wildest dreams. And how long did you want to write? And how did you get into writing? Or have you always been a writer? <laughs> well, I started writing when I was a kid. I wrote poetry, right? And I would just in the grade school I wrote poetry and I read it to girls, you know. Oh. And uh, and that's how I met my first girlfriend in the second grade. Uh, I won't say her name, but she was my first love, and I wrote her poetry, and I would give it to her, and she <laughs> just thought I was a nut. But uh, but uh, I wrote a screenplay when I was 24, and I sold it, and so I thought I was going to be a full-time writer, but nothing really happened with the screenplay. So after that, I wrote a book, and it took me about 10 months to write it. And nothing happened with that. It was garbage. It was not good. It was so garbage. So I put it down. So from 25 until until 2018, I didn't write anything. And then I got hit by a taxi cab in in June of 2018. So I was 29. I was tw just turned. I was 29 ish, and uh, I got hit by a taxi cab, and um, I had to stay home for a few days. So I just started writing. And then I wrote I wrote three books in six months, wow. and uh, and I published. All three of them are published now. So I just kind of like just did it. Well, it's interesting. I think that if you want to, if you're a writer and you can write, then you know, like you put a pen to, you know, people want to be a writer, but then they sit there, like, I can, I'm just going to use myself as an example. Because I was like, you should write a book, Elizabeth. You should write a book. And I'm always like, yeah. Yeah. I should write a book, but the thought of doing what you did, like <laughs> sit down and write, I'm like, that's, I'm like too busy. I'm busy living sober. I don't have time to sit down and write a book. But when you said yeah, you yeah. sat I down, it. it's like a gift. What a gift is that? It's like, it's, it, to me, it's not what you, it's not what you want to do. It's like, you don't have a choice. You have to. That is for me, it's like exercise and creation, being creative in my exercise routine. I don't necessarily even want to do it. I have to. I, and it's not like I'm trying, I'm not in a race with anyone or trying to be better. It's I personally have to. And I don't, I don't know where it comes from. I just have to do it. And I don't have a choice. And um, that's just how my body and my brain work. You know, like when I was drinking and using, I had to, I didn't have a choice. I had to go out at three in the morning and score. That I, I transfer that, my brain still works like an addict. I write because I think I have to. That's what it is. And so you, whether it's good or bad, I don't know. Well, it doesn't have to be, right? Does it even have to be good or bad? Yeah. It doesn't even have to be. If yeah. It works for you, right? Yeah, it works for me right now. Right. And then if it doesn't work for you, then you change your mind, right? Then I stop. <laughs> then I stop. Yeah, like I do with everything. I'm like, if this doesn't work, I'm going to stop. And people just look at me like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do something else. And I start and I just... Go. But that's amazing. I love, that's kind of cool. Cause you said you worked in the restaurant, uh, you worked in the hotel industry and you did that yeah. many, and then you just stopped. I lost your, I can't hear you. You have it on mute. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yes. Okay, sorry about that. No problem. Technology. 
Okay, sorry about that. Um, now I lost you again. Now I can't hear you again. Sorry, the people keep calling me. It's I run a business. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> So, okay, so now because you don't make your income from selling your you don't live off the sale of your books. No, no, I run a I run two businesses. So like I uh, I run a building that I live in at seventy units, and I run that, and I run my uncle's uh, luxury wallpaper business. So I just I'm plugged in. You're a busy man. So I was gonna just ask you because yeah. it seems like you're busy. So how do you how do you stay busy living sober? I guess you t you stay pretty busy living sober, don't you? Oh yeah, I mean I have nothing but time. I, when I was drinking and using, I spent all my time doing that. There's 24 hours in a day, so it's just I wake up and I fill it until I sleep. That's just kind of how I how I operate. But yeah, I um I run this I run this property that I live in in San Francisco, and this this property that I live in is under a lot of construction. And uh, I have so many units that are like flooding or leaking. And then I have uh, my uncle's business, which is exploding. It's like, I mean, everybody wants wallpaper. So. <laughs> Who would have thought during COVID that everybody would want I, it's Exactly. Well, that's the thing. Oh, hotels. So I worked in hotels till COVID. I was laid off. And, uh, and I was just kind of, I prayed to God. The night I got laid off for the day, I knew two days in advance. So I went to the gym on a Thursday and I went to the gym when they were still open and I'm in the hot tub crying and praying to God. I'm like, God, I've already been homeless. It's expensive here and I have no savings. At the time I had very little savings. I had like 600 bucks to my name when this happened. And this was like, this was back in March, right? And so, <laughs> so I'm praying to God in the hot tub while I'm crying. I'm like, God, please help me. I, help me out of this, help me. And then like the next day, I got a job at Whole Foods for like a month. <laughs> so I got a job at Whole Foods. And then this, this property gig landed in my lap. They call me, we need somebody this week and start. I'll be right there. And then my uncle's like, I don't know how to run a business. Can you help me run my business? I don't know what to do. So I, that all happened like back in the end of March or like the, or beginning April. So it's just kind of back. I'm like, oh God, it's, yeah. And could, what, I mean, could you have ever predicted that you're probably more successful now than you've been in many, many years yeah, financially? Yeah, ever, and ever. Ever in my life. And, and you're ever like, in my life. And, and look at you now. And it all, like, I think if it's meant to be, it, it happens, right? You yeah, don't it happens. Have to chase it. I, you don't have to chase it. Yeah, because I, I think for me, what I learned in this in the spiritual program of, of Alcoholics Anonymous, it's like, you just do what's right. You do what's good for you. You establish boundaries. You don't, you're not slimy. You do what's, you do what's real. You, you live your truth. And you're just kind of building up this spiritual savings account. And when, when stuff hits the fan, when life goes to pot, I think that, it, I think that your savings account kicks in. Yeah. Right. That's what I think. That's my experience. Right. So yeah. it's like, I'm just going to keep helping people volunteering, doing my best. I'm going to keep working out. I'm just going to keep do, writing my books and just and helping my uncle and, uh, and making sure my building doesn't flood and I'll be taken care of. That's what, that's my theory. <laughs> just I'll be taken care of.
But I think so. we always are taking care of it. If we live in the fear rather than the faith, like I, I know yeah. that I, I've never gone without a meal. I've never gone, with, you know what I mean? Have you ever gone yeah. without a meal? Unless you yeah. wanted to. You could have gone to grandma's to get a meal at any time. It sounds yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bacon, eggs, and orange yeah. juice. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. so if we if we if we stay out of the fear and we just know and we trust in this, like God, it everything works out better than we could ever 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 imagine. Yeah, I agree. I also I've seen an interesting thing over the years that really good people with good intentions, sometimes a lot of bad things will happen to them because they live in fear, and fear attracts more fear. Yeah. And like whatever you're focusing on, it just kind of happens to you. Like if you're always worried about getting mugged, you're probably going to get mugged. Right. Because right? the universe can sense that, right? The yeah. universe and can sense that, you're, that scent that you may have of like, oh my God, yeah. you're scared. Yeah. I lived in that forever. Everything I, every corner I turned to for years would just, my life just kept getting worse. And that would happen for almost a decade in sobriety. My life, I'm like, I never questioned why am I sober if life sucks, but I was just kind of like, dude, I'm sober. I've been sober for nine years. Why is everything so horrible? And then I had to go through the process of what we're talking about. You know? Well, it's like peeling back the onion. That's what we call it, right? We call it, I mean, I, none of these phrases are my yeah. own, right? I, 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 every phrase I have, I feel like I heard somewhere else. But it's like peeling back the, getting vulnerable, being able to say, you know what, here it all is. I'm going to lay it out. I'm going to let it go to God. And I'm just going to keep trying to do the next right thing one day at a time. Yeah. And, for life. Yeah. and it sounds like, you know, you, you thought I would, and I'm not, I don't want to speak for you, but like, in it sounded like, like in March, you were like, all right, I've got A or B. I'm going to either lose my everything or I'm going to have to go work at Whole Foods. And then yeah. look at what happened. This thing that you could never have ever imagined happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy crazy it's good like i still i don't know anything about wallpaper but <laughs> i am keeping my uncle so busy i just talk to people i don't know anything about wallpaper i don't know what it i know what it, that it's pretty that's all i know that's all and it's weird that i'm successful at this it's so weird i don't I get love it, it. Because, well, everybody during COVID, like back to COVID, you know, everybody in COVID is staying at home, right? So you want your place yeah. to look pretty and you're not spending yeah. money on what you were talking about earlier. Again, traveling, nobody's going and getting on planes and going and staying in yeah. hotels or going shopping to buy the next outfit to wear to the next party because there is no party. So let's buy wallpaper. Let's buy wallpaper. Everybody's investing in their homes. Yeah. So it's that's what's awesome. going on. I'm just taking advantage of it. Well, it sounds like you're doing a really good job. And I want to say thank you so much for coming on. And you're so busy. Sure. I love how busy you are. I know your phone's like blowing up. <laughs> and you've got people dying to put their wallpaper up. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's awesome. And I just <laughs> thank you so much. And when you do another book, will you come on the next time you publish another book and we can talk about it? Yeah, I mean, I've got two books. I've got, uh, yeah, I've got Junk Knowledge and The Darkest Chapter, which focuses on dual diagnosis. So those are out. And where and they're on Amazon. Amazon, yeah, I can send you links to them. I'll, I can email you links. That would be awesome. So if anybody this list yeah. would like to hear, because you think I think sometimes it's hard, and I don't want to say it's harder because I don't know that. But when you're dual diagnosis, which you just described, right? That's dual diagnosis. Not yeah. only are you an alcoholic, but you also have you know bipolar too. And getting sober sometimes with that, I think is difficult, wouldn't you say? For most people, it's really hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, because in my case, in my specific case, I was just self-medicating. I was having a good time self-medicating, but the alcohol was just a symptom, right? It was just a symptom, just like food's just a symptom. And uh, I had to find out what it was a symptom of, and that was what took the bulk of my recovery time. I'm always in recovery, but the bulk of getting to a place where my life was in balance, you know? And um, not that people just not that people that are just alcoholics have it any easier. Alcoholism to me is the most slippery disease there is. It's so slick. And it's, it's like, it's smarter than we are. And when, once you try to outsmart alcoholism, you're done. You're done. And I think that, and I've said this on a bunch of podcasts recently, it's like this COVID thing, like, all right, it's out there and it's floating in the world and you don't know where it is. Yeah. But like us as alcoholics, like we walk around the streets all the time with something around us that wants to kill us. I mean, you walk down the street and there's a billboard, yeah. there's a bot. You walk into a restaurant, you go to a party. I mean, it's every, like, so we're constantly on alert with what, you know, how oh, yeah. we're feeling in different situations. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. I mean, I listen to people share and like, I'm going through such a hard time during this COVID. And I'm like, I've known you for six years. You've been going through a hard time this entire time. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not poking fun or anything, but it's like alcoholics, man. We just, we just, a lot of us will glom on to the next thing. You know, it's just the way our brain's designed. Our mom dies, divorce, COVID, whatever. And we're like, oh, I'm going through a hard time just because of like, nah, You've been going through a hard time for 30 years. Like, it's and, that, you know? Well, I totally agree with you. And I think that where you are, and it doesn't matter if you have 30 years, 30 minutes, or 30 days of recovery. Yeah. I think it depends on where you are spiritually and where you are with yeah. mindfulness and God. Like, where's your spirituality? Yeah. Mine is like one day at a time. Like, if I get up in the morning and I meditate and I write, I'm like in the best, like my day's awesome. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Same here. Yeah. I stretched before this. So I'm like, I've stretched for 30 minutes before I talk to you. I totally know what you mean. You know? But if we don't <laughs> do those things or identify what those things are, that's when it gets kind of yucky, you know? Yeah. It's, it's not fun. <laughs> it's, like, it's not fun at all. But like when I, for me, when I do face it and I get through it more, like I look towards most of my life now. We're like, Six months ago, I didn't want to get out of bed. And this was just as COVID was happening. Two years ago, I'd rather sleep in till four, like a couple of years ago. And it's like, but now I'm like, I get up and I'm like, I got a lot to do, but I want to do all those things, right? And it's through working the program, I've earned those things. They weren't just, I, I don't believe that I just, I'm owed anything, right? Because whether I got sober, my parents didn't love me, that thinking of that victim, I am owed something, that's a curse that I had for many years. I thought I was owed something for so long. And I love that you said, like, and I think that it's the work that you just discussed that you put into it. Like, if you don't put the work into it, right? So you know yeah. that you go to your APA meeting once a week. I go to my, my, ACE, my AA meeting once a week. I write, I talk to my buds. Like, I go and I do my exercise. I do my certain things to, so that I can have a successful life. But when you yeah. came in, it's like, I don't even know what my favorite color is. Hell, what are you, <laughs> like, I don't even know what's good for me, right? I have no idea. Yeah. And it's giving yourself the opportunity of time. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I agree, 100%.
it's hard. This is, it's a hard thing, but it's worth it. Yeah. And then you'll get to, a, I got to a point in my life where it's not hard anymore. It might get hard in the future, but right now for me, everything's just really clear. Like I know that I need to go to AA meetings, ACA meetings, exercise, sleep, eat, drink water. I just know I have to do that stuff. And I've been doing it for so long. It's just like, it's breathing now, you know? But, uh, but yeah, for, but for many, many years, I was just like, I was looking at a mountain of things I had to do. And I'm like, this sucks. I want to go back to sleep. All I wanted to do was sleep for like a decade. Not anymore. Not anymore. I can tell because I can like just, I, I mean, I just feel like I want to give you a hug through this because you just look so happy and your eyes are so clear. And I just see like in this, I just looking at you, I'm just like, wow, you just, you're doing it. You're living life. Like you are getting busy living sober. You're living a life beyond your wildest dreams. And I can just see that by the joy in your face, like the happiness yeah. and the joy. It's, it's, it's wonderful to see. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's really, you're a handsome man and you're just, and I can tell, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, I, I intend to. <laughs> Please do. Keep doing the wallpaper, yeah. even though maybe one day you go to a wallpaper store and check it out. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've watched my uncle do it. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's awesome. But uh, I'd much hard. rather just, just sell it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard work. It's really hard. Well, thank you yeah. so much for coming on. And I want you to send me the links to your book. And I'm, sure. I'm really excited. So everybody, thank you so much for coming on. And thanks for listening. And until next time, keep getting busy living sober. Thank you. Bye-bye.